0: Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash happyhealthyyou. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player.
1: The top 10 ways to know if you have estrogen issues? Number 10, the ibuprofen bottle is empty and you bought it yesterday. Number nine, you're sure that everyone is scheming to drive you crazy. Number eight, you can't believe they don't make a tampon bigger than a super plus. Number seven, everyone seems to have just landed here from outer space. Number six, everyone's head looks like an invitation to batting practice. Number five, you're using your cellular phone to dial up every bumper sticker that says, how's my driving, call 1-800 blah, blah, blah. Number four, your husband is suddenly agreeing to everything you say. Number three, the dryer has shrunk every last pair of your jeans. Number two, you're adding chocolate chips to your cheese omelet. And the number one way to know if you have estrogen issues, everyone around you has an attitude problem. Ah, Hormones, they keep us healthy when in balance, but when they're even just a little bit out of whack, well, all heck can break loose. And this goes for men as well as women. So listen up, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. And today I'm talking to the hormone diva, Robin Srigley. She's the hormone diva, a women's holistic health coach. And her own journey with polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, jump-started her passion for helping women replace their anxiety anxieties with joy and open possibilities in their lives and help them to break free of hormonal imbalance. Robin is the creator of cramp tea and hot flash tea. I can't wait to try that. And she's a regular contributor to be Prepared and is featured on mind body green. Welcome Robin. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited.
1: This is such a great subject. I am so excited to talk to you. I have so many questions about hormones, and I mean, because they affect us throughout our whole lives, and women especially, but men also. So why don't we start with just a brief definition of hormones? What are they and how do they work in our bodies?
0: Well, hormones essentially are just chemical compounds in our bodies that are made up um, mostly from amino acids, which are little parts of proteins that we get from our diet. And they're used in many, many reactions throughout the body. And often when we think about hormones, we think about, um, you know, just our reproductive hormones like estrogen, when you were just talking about there at the beginning. But actually, there's lots and lots of different hormones. And and you're totally right that they affect everything we do, whether we're, you know, a man or a woman, younger old, the hormones are are sort of controlling our lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your journey and how you became so interested in hormones.
0: For sure. So it actually started when I was in uh, school to become a nutritionist, and I was actually diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, uh, which you already mentioned. And it's a hormonal disorder characterized by... Um, cysts on the ovaries, irregular menstrual cycles, excess testosterone, and, and a whole bunch of fun stuff. So when I was diagnosed, it was after I had stopped taking the birth control pill, because I had learned about all of the various harmful effects that can come from taking it. I started to experience depression, anxiety, weight gain, skin breakouts, and very irregular cycles after stopping the pill. And with everything that I was experiencing and how I was feeling, my relationships um, were really strained in my life. And I wasn't able to really totally control how I felt or acted because of my hormones. So it was the interest really started there. And after seeking support and releasing those symptoms and intense anxieties that I had um, for joy, I knew I just had to help support women who are suffering from similar struggles to what I was.
1: Mm. And i don't think men realize when women go through p m s we just don't have control over our emotions a lot of the time, so um I'm speaking for myself, maybe i'm the only one who is <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's crazy and it affects women uh we know that, but it also affects men. Can you talk about that a little bit
0: absolutely so not only are men affected by uh they're women's hormones because yeah. of the way that she's acting, but men have hormones as well. And we often think of things as like testosterone just being for men, but actually women have that in their body, just like men have little bits of estrogen. So there's all different kinds of hormones going on in there and um, it can affect men. It might just you know, it's not that monthly cycle that we have, but they have sort of daily ebbs and flows of their hormones that will impact how they're feeling or, or how they are in their lives.
1: Sure. It's just that PMS gets gets the bad rap and all the publicity. So
0: Mm, exactly.
1: So let's talk about the five reasons our hormones are making us crazy.
0: So there are many reasons, but five is, is a good place to start. It's a good
1: place to start.
0: Yes. Yes. So the first reason that your hormones are making you crazy is because of imbalanced blood sugar. Imbalanced blood sugar is the first thing when you're trying to balance hormones or almost any kind of health issue, something that you should pay attention to. And the reason for that is because when we eat our food, uh, our you know, it gets broken down and gets into our bloodstream and insulin, which is a hormone helps that sugar energy get into the cells. When we have too much sugar in our diets, lots of processed foods, bad fats, um, all of that kind of stuff, um, not regular meal mealtime stress, we get imbalances in blood sugar. And so insulin, that hormone, isn't able to help the energy get into our cells. So essentially, that creates tons of imbalances, whether it be, you know, in our uterus and ovaries for PMS, or whether it be in our brains as well for, uh, you know, a depression and anxiety and things like that. So imbalanced blood sugar would be the first reason that our hormones are making us crazy
1: and some of that is genetic but some of it is just plain out eating too much sugar right Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely and i mean even if you have something that is genetic like uh could be type 1 diabetes or something like that there still are things that you can do to help balance yourself Um, and blood sugar uh, balancing that is of the utmost importance
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about number two, uh, cortisol and chronic stress. That's such a big one. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to on the podcast that talk about stress being just the cause of so many disease processes. So
0: Absolutely, it is. And I mean, stress can come from various things. So it could be stress in the form of, you know, mental, emotional, it could be physical stress, if you've had some kind of physical trauma, um, or you've got already some kind of a disease going on. And that really leads to imbalanced cortisol, which is our stress Hormone um, and cortisol is made in our adrenal glands, which are little triangular shaped glands. They're very small, they sit atop our kidneys and they regulate everything to do with our stress response. So, what happens here? When we're chronically stressed because we're eating poorly, we live sedentary lives, maybe you've got like a very long commute uh, in traffic that causes you stress daily, um, financial stress, marital stress, whatever it might be, you're under this constant stress and your body tries to balance itself out by producing cortisol and other stress hormones. But what happens over time is that your adrenal glands get so tired that they cannot possibly produce those hormones at the right times and in the right amounts. And so you get these imbalances where I find a lot of people, you know, they find themselves uh, hard to wake up in the morning and they don't feel rested after sleeping. And they also feel a little bit more energetic, say six, seven, eight o'clock in the evening, or maybe even later. Those are the sort of night owl type people. And that really creates an imbalance in the body. Um, as just one example but eventually leads to you know your whole body just being so tired and so depleted that you can't possibly be balanced in your you know reproductive hormones as well.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, and chronic stress just it wears on the the nervous system and and that's our fight or flight, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. And so we're constantly in that fight or flight rather than the, you know, rest or digest mode. Um, and so we just get depleted over time. And, and that also causes, you know, that irritability and inability to deal with stress or, you know, go with the flow causes us to be really uptight as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And let's talk about sedentary lifestyle. You uh, talk about that and inflammation and weight gain and how that, that all works together to, to uh, create dis-ease.
0: Right. So as the third reason, you know, a sedentary lifestyle we're all we all know we should exercise and, and keep active, but sometimes it's a little easier said than done. And because, you know, a lot of times we feel we have to have a gym membership and go there for a couple hours, you know, five times a week or something, but that's not totally necessary. The point here is that um, when you are sedentary, so you spend most of your time sitting down, you're not very active throughout your day or on any kind of regular basis, then of course you get weight gain, right? Because you're not right. moving around, you're not burning any fuel, but you also get inflammation. And the reason for this is because if you're not exercising You'll have less lean body mass, so that lean muscle tissue on your body that helps to burn energy even while you're at rest. So you get a lot more fat buildup in your body. Women tend to notice this in their uh, hips, thighs, and butt, as well as in the belly area. And once that fat starts to build up, your body will actually end up storing excess hormones in there as well. And if those hormones are in there long enough, those fat cells can actually start to produce hormones. So you can have this vicious cycle Mm. of storing and producing too much fat, too much hormones, and it creates a lot of inflammation uh, in your body. And it leads to, you know, of course, the weight gain, but also all kinds of hormonal imbalances.
1: Yeah, I just wrote that vicious cycle, because when you don't feel well, you can't really get up and move, which leads to, yeah, the weight gain and just more problems. So even more incentive to get to the bottom of the problem. Let's talk about the, the uh, estrogen buildup that you say uh, happens when we live in a, in a toxic environment.
0: Absolutely. So there's toxins that come at us from all different areas of our life, whether it's environmental toxins, so pollutants that are in our air. Of course, we have no control over this. But there's also toxins in the form of things we use in our daily lives. So different plastics contain chemicals like BPA, which a lot of us have heard of, um, which can interfere with our hormones and actually increase the amount of estrogen that we have in our body to unsafe levels. Um, Also, in the foods we eat. So food based toxins, like if you are somebody who eats dairy, um, and you're not choosing organic dairy, there's going to be a lot of hormones and antibiotics and and various different things in there. Um, Anything that comes, you know, in a bag or a box, any of those kind of processed foods they have, they're loaded with chemicals. um, And so you have all these toxins. And what that does is interferes with your body's ability to filter toxins as it normally would, so through your liver, through your bowels, and everything gets sort of stuck. And estrogen, as well as other hormones, need that to be really free flowing so that we can get rid of any excess because there's a real delicate balance between these hormones. And so you get extra buildup of the estrogen happening in your body. And of course, that leads to all the, you know, wonderful 10 things that you mentioned Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this interview and much more.
1: And the last thing that you list on the the top five, I guess, since we're working with tops here (laughs) on this podcast, is ignoring the symptoms. Maybe you can talk about what some of the more common symptoms are and why it's important to pay attention to them.
0: Absolutely. So common symptoms, I mean, uh, they can be the same symptoms for, you know, bothersome menopause, PMS or something more serious, but a lot of them are sort of the same. So you might be having weight gain that's sort of coming out of nowhere or is really hard to shift. You might find that you're having a lot of cravings, especially for sweets and salty foods. You might be having irregular, heavy or painful menstrual periods as well, um, infertility issues. Um, And then of course, those mood issues, which was something I dealt with um, for a really long time. So the depression, anxiety, um, mood swings, irritability as well, um, any of that kind of stuff where you're feeling a real loss of control. Um, So those are some of the main symptoms. And the reason that it's important to pay attention to these symptoms is because your body is literally trying to tell you something by making these sensations in your body. If you ignore it, you know, then it just sort of leads to this perpetuation of the problem, increasing your symptoms and likelihood of more problems later on. I find that a lot of people tend to ignore the symptoms because, um, you know, they're busy and they have busy lives and they just don't want to deal with it. And if they do, they'd rather just go to their doctor and take a pill, you know, for example, a Tylenol or or something similar that works in an hour or something and just sort of takes that away, even though it's not you know, treating it at the root cause, but they just want sort of an easy fix. But that just ends up leading to to a lot more problems later on in life.
1: Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about our hormones is that when they do get a little bit out of balance, it's sort of a reminder in my mind of what a miraculous system our body, mind and spirit is. And when it works together in balance, it's just so amazing and i think that having something like this happen to us like in ho- a hormone imbalance happen to us in our lives can be sort of a wake up call to our our greater health and our our best potential was it for you would you say
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I already was interested in health and tried to eat healthy and, and really honestly thought I was until I stopped taking the birth control pill. Um, and that was sort of keeping things at bay. Um, but really paying attention to my body and learning about my body and feeling comfortable in my body, um, made a huge, huge difference for me.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up the birth control pills because I did ask our listeners for some questions and the questions that I got, a lot of them were about birth control. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But now that we've talked about uh, some of these typical uh, reasons our hormones might be out of whack, can we talk about a couple of dietary ways to uh, start getting us on the right path?
0: Absolutely. So there's two tips that I can suggest for your diet or your way of eating that will help to balance hormones, but also just help you achieve, you know, really vibrant health. These are really easy things to do and, and good for everybody. So the first one is, you know, how you're composing what you're eating. Your each meal and and your snacks as well as much as possible should include three things. And that is protein, fat and fiber. And the reason for this, of course, coming back to the blood sugar balance, right? We want to make sure that you are feeling balanced so that your energy will be high, your hormones will be balanced, all of that good stuff. And that's where protein, healthy fats, and sources of fiber come into play. Um, a quick example of what this might look like, let's say for a lunch or dinner, would be you know, a big salad with dark leafy greens, so spinach, kale, uh, collards, things like that with some nuts or seeds and an animal protein. So eggs or chicken, fish, beef, whatever you like. And then some kind of a homemade dressing that includes fat in it. So you know, avocado oil or olive oil with lemon, something like that. Um, So that would be an example composition, just making sure that you're getting that protein, fat and fiber uh, into your meals.
1: I've recently discovered sesame oil. I just love the nutty taste. It's so delicious. Mm, Mm, That's for
0: sure. It's great for salad dressings.
1: And then you also talk about eating clean, whole foods. We talked about that a little bit, but um, unprocessed foods.
0: Exactly. So that would be the second thing. I mean, if you have a kitchen full of bags, boxes, and cartons, then most likely you are eating a lot of processed foods. Um, So trying to stick to... things as they look like when they come from the earth if that makes sense so your whole fruits and vegetables you know without being frozen and made into some you know microwave dinner or something like that Um, so just buying things from the produce section going to your meat counter and getting your meats there rather than you know frozen breaded chicken strips or something like that from Mm -hmm. the freezer section so going as clean and as whole foods as you possibly can
1: Mm. And then let's talk a little bit about lifestyle, because that's so important. I mean, just how we live our lives and the thoughts that we think and you know, the, the body, mind and spirit, our spiritual life, talk about some lifestyle suggestions for helping to uh, promote this hormone balance.
0: Absolutely. So lifestyle, as you said, is very important. And I mean, you can eat the cleanest diet in the world. But if you don't pay attention to how you're living your life in terms of stress management and things like that, you're not going to really make as much progress or any, you know, as much as you'd like to. So um, my first suggestion, then, of course, is to reduce your stress. Obviously, you know, that can be a difficult one, especially when we're so used to and really programmed to, you know, have a lot of stress in our lives or feel stress a lot in our lives. So what I suggest is really radical self-care. And what this means is just to do something for you every day, even if all you have is five minutes, because you have, you know, kids and a career and all these things that you have going on in your life. Even if you can take five minutes to close your eyes, take some deep breaths, Or maybe you've got five minutes to do one of those adult coloring pages. Those are um, really popular right now and, and a fantastic way to reduce your stress. But anything, something that's fun, something that makes you feel relaxed, even if it's, you know, as little as five minutes a day. But of course, as much as you can possibly fit in
1: yeah yeah I love that idea about the coloring books I haven't seen those but I'm oh, gonna have no. to look for oh them.
0: my gosh they're amazing you'll have to look them up because it's just you know they're a little more intricate right than like a children's coloring book so oh, no um,
1: <laughs> that could be a it's... problem
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so much fun to just you know Color those and feel relaxed. I like to listen to some relaxing music when I do it as well, and it's a great way to get unplugged and get our eyes off the screen.
1: Sure, sure, yeah, that's that's huge. Just getting off the screen. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned the deep breaths. But what about exercise and like the, that's the first thing I thought of was get out and take a walk, even for five minutes. But longer is exactly. better. Exactly.
0: Yes. And, and, and that's part of self-care as well, is having an active lifestyle. So making sure that you are being active um, or exercising for functional movement. So so what that means is that you don't necessarily have to be, you know, bench pressing heavy weights or, or things like that um, if that's not your thing. But being active and exercising enough to the point where the functional movements that you use every day. So standing up and sitting down, climbing stairs, carrying things, lifting, whatever, that you're able to do it with ease that it doesn't take all of your energy. Right. So just anything to get you off your, your butt on a regular basis and finding something that you think is really fun will help you to stick with it for the long term. So for me, um, Going to yoga classes is something I find really fun and also, you know, some stress reduction there as well. And high intensity interval training is one of my favorites as well, HIT training, because it's short but high intensity. So, you know, if you're busy like myself, having a 10 or 15 minute quick little workout that's uh, quite intense will be will be enough.
1: Mm, yeah, I've been training for a race and I kind of, I, I was doing yoga teacher training, so my running was a little bit my mileage was down and I wasn't feeling as, as good in my run. So I've been doing interval training where I run for three minutes and then I walk for a minute and then run for three minutes. And it really, it's amazing how much, uh, I've built up my endurance just doing that interval training. It's awesome.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. And when you do things like that, you know, it helps your body to, um, increase oxygen, you know, consumption and usage. So you'll feel um, a huge boost in your energy when you do that kind of stuff consistently. Mm -hmm.
1: And mood, those endorphins and all those feel-good hormones. Maybe you could talk about that for a second since we're talking about about exercise. How about the feel-good hormones? What are they and how do they work to make us feel so great?
0: Well, there's tons of different feel-good hormones. Uh, One of the main ones that most people have heard of is serotonin. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about serotonin is that the majority of it is actually manufactured in our gut um, rather than our brain. So really? there's a, oh. a lot of research going on right now about this connection, this gut-brain connection. So when you eat healthy and you're active and you take, um, you know, steps to reduce or manage your stress then your digestion and your gut health will be improved. And when that's improved, your body will be producing lots of that lovely serotonin, which helps us to feel so happy. Um, And of course, other hormones that are made from serotonin, uh, like GABA, which helps with anxiety, um, and 5-HTP, which helps with anxiety and sleep and different things like that. Mm,
1: That's so interesting. So that vicious cycle that we talked about can be reversed and become a positive cycle of if we just make small changes.
0: Absolutely. And that's the key, right, is the small changes, because it takes time to make these kind of changes, doing something that works for you, taking your time with it, noticing some differences, and then maybe adding in something else is often the best way to go about it.
1: Well, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that we are such a society of the quick fix, you know, take a pill and make things better right away. But one of the things that you say is so important is just that consistency. Don't give up.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is, you, you want to have progress as quickly as possible, because you feel crappy, of course. I mean, I felt the same way. And I wanted to be past that as soon as possible. But the things that you learn about yourself during the journey, you know, make up for that in leaps and bounds.
1: Mm, I'm so glad you said that. So if we are making small changes, um, I mean, and and I'm sure it's different for every single person. But for the most part how long does it take to see improvement in you know maybe you can give us an example of how long it took for you to see improvement
0: absolutely so just as a general with women if you're working on a hormonal imbalance we have obviously our cycles so um you know on average, about 28 day cycle. So it takes at least that long to start noticing anything. But I find for, for most women, it usually takes, you know, three months or three full cycles okay. um, to get quite a bit of difference noticed. And that's really what it was for me too. I mean, it, it took actually, maybe closer to six months for me to notice really massive changes just because of everything that I was dealing with. Sure. Um, but, it you know, if you have PCOS or endometriosis or some kind of infertility, something that's, you know, diagnosed and is a serious issue, then it will take you longer than somebody who's got maybe just a bit of mood swings before their period.
1: Okay, okay. And, and this will resonate with you because you went through this. With regard to birth control, this is from one of our listeners. Um, she wanted to know, is it harmful to take long term? We hear so many conflicting things about that. I, I mean, it's good for us. It's bad for us, you know. So what are your thoughts on that?
0: I am of the thought that uh, it is harmful to take it long term. I used to not feel this way. I also used to take my pills constantly, so I, I would not get a period every month. Um, and a lot of doctors will say that it's okay. There's a lot of uh, information out there saying that that's a benefit um, or a good side effect of the birth control pill. But the problem with this is that when you take the birth control pill, you're not having a regular cycle. So when you bleed, that's not for real. It's just sort of a, a fake bleed, if you will, because you're not ovulating mid-cycle. The pill prevents you from doing this. And so that is what would cause you know a real cycle or a real period to happen. So not only are you preventing these things, but if you take the pill long-term, your body is essentially never ovulating or doing these things, which really help to reset us and help us to feel energetic and get rid of any of that brain fog and help us to, of course, have babies if we want to do that um, or, you know, deal with the mood swings or the depression. And that all sort of gets reset every time you know, our period comes on and the hormone levels sort of go back down, Um, but this doesn't happen with the pill. So it's an important consideration to make. I mean, for some women, the pill is a really viable option and maybe for them, that's what they want to use, but um, sort of just taking the science into it a little bit um, to help make your decision.
1: And is there, uh, you know, a lot of women are just not going to give it up, but is there a period of time that you would say would be sort of a safe amount of time to be on the pill while you're trying not to conceive? It's...
0: It's hard to answer that question because it could vary depending on so many factors. If you already lead an unhealthy lifestyle and perhaps you have a family history of ovarian cancer or heart disease or breast cancer, then taking the pill for any length of time might be harmful to you. Um, But there are stories of women who take the pill for 10, 15, 20 years, come off it and are totally fine. So it's really hard to to say, to answer that
1: question. Sure. So talk to your doctor about it. And and here's an important question, I think, is how, what are your suggestions for talking with the doctor um, and bringing this information to the doctor's attention? And then I I can just hear what the doctors are going to say. Ah, that's crazy. You know, birth control pills have been around for you know, this, whatever. So do you have any suggestions for how to talk to a doctor about this, the possibility of maybe going off?
0: Absolutely. So yes, you're totally right that they tend to just want to keep you on that. I mean, when I was diagnosed with PCOS, after coming off the pill, my gynecologist said, well, let's help your symptoms by putting you back on the pill. So um, one of the things here is to be prepared. So if you have questions, if you're Um, experiencing symptoms, if you've read some research, compile it all somewhere so that you feel confident about what you're going to be talking to your doctor about. So you're more likely to take responsibility for yourself instead of, you know, giving in and taking whatever it is pill that they're trying to recommend for you. So really being informed uh, is the first step here. The next thing is when you're at the doctor, you know, presenting these things, and they may still recommend that you go on the birth control pill or if you're an older woman, you know, hormone replacement or whatever it might be, but it doesn't mean you have to. There's always other options. There are options for drug free um, birth control that work just as effectively as taking the pill. So there's lots of options. You just have to ask.
1: Okay. Okay. So how long does it normally take for the pill to be out of the system? This was another question from a young woman who has been has just recently started birth control. How long does it take to come out of get out of our systems after we stop? And when is it safe to start um, trying to uh, get pregnant?
0: Well, on average, I would say at least three to six months for it to fully come out. It just depends on how long, of course, that you were taking the pill. If you're taking the birth control pill and are stopping it because you want to get pregnant, I highly, highly recommend waiting at least 8 to 12 months after taking the pill and during that time doing some you know, detoxification, lifestyle changes, that kind of thing to really get all of those hormones out of your body, but not just that, to balance your own hormones so that you will actually be able to get pregnant and, and keep the pregnancy to full term.
1: Okay. And then the other question that we had was from a woman in menopause, and she wants to know if there's any, the latest information on hormone replacement, bioidenticals. Is there anything new on that front?
0: Um, It's pretty much the same stuff that's been going around the last few years, that traditional hormone replacement therapy has been shown to have negative effects. And a lot of doctors are taking their patients off of this type of therapy. The bioidentical hormones are a little bit better in that, of course, they are made to be as close as possible to the ones that are made in our own bodies. However, they're still different And there's still a lot of conversions and different things that needs to happen with these hormones. Um, So I recommend, of course, trying natural methods, seeing some kind of a natural healthcare practitioner first. Um, And, in women with menopause, it can be tricky. Sometimes, you know, taking some kind of bioidentical hormone might be necessary, but not before trying some other things first, because a lot of the times you can get rid of most, if not all of your symptoms with natural methods.
1: Sure. You want to, you want to name a few of your favorites?
0: Absolutely. So there's a few basic ones, not just for menopause, but for any woman suffering from a hormonal imbalance. So your B vitamins are very important here because they help to regulate our hormones, our blood sugar, our stress response, our happy uh, chemicals like serotonin, all of that kind of stuff. So taking like a B complex vitamin is helpful. Um, You can also look into different medicinal herbs. There are tons and tons of these that have been used for thousands of years to help women with various hormonal imbalances. One of my favorite ones specifically for menopause is called black cohosh. Mm -hmm. And this is a great one. You can find capsules, you can find drops, however you or or even a tea. Um, It's a chief ingredient in my hot flash tea. Um, and it's really, really helpful, of course, then for hot flashes, but any of those kind of menopausal symptoms you might be having, um, like brain fog, anxiety, um, vaginal dryness, stiff joints, uh, mood issues, all of that kind of
1: stuff. Okay, and since you mentioned it, tell me about your teas. <laughs> they sound fascinating. How did how did you come up with these uh, concoctions?
0: Well, I've, I've always liked making concoctions. <laughs> Funny you put it in that word, because that's exactly what I used to call it as a kid. And it started with food, right? But as I got into nutrition and started using medicinal herbs myself and saw the amazing benefits that happened actually quite quickly when you're taking herbs, if you've got the right ones in your system, to really make very, very big changes in in your life. And it did in mine. So that really inspired me to create these two teas, um, for two of the main problems that I see women suffering with. The one is of course the cramp tea. So menstrual pain, whether it's menstrual cramps, um, Headaches, migraines, all of that kind of stuff. The cramp tea is fantastic for that. And then the hot flash tea for all those menopausal issues that you might be having. Um, very helpful for those hot flashes, night sweats as well. So if you're waking up just drenched at night and it's interfering with your sleep. And the great thing about that tea is, of course, you can make it iced, right? I know a lot of women are already hot. Sure, um, sure. On a is. regular basis. So ta- making it into an iced tea is fabulous. And they are all herbal, 100% natural, which is great. So no artificial flavoring, nothing that's going to interfere with the real purpose of this tea. But they also taste really good too.
1: (laughs) I love tea. And I love that you have created these teas because tea in itself, for me, just the the word tea is calming. (laughs) So when I think of sitting down with a cup of tea, I just I immediately calm down so so thanks for that we'll give some information about where people can find you more information about you and your teas in just a minute but i want to ask you one more question do you have we've talked about women and hormones primarily in this podcast but men have hormones too and you know as they go through their life there are ups and downs with their hormones and and do you have any suggestions for men if they feel like they might have say a testosterone imbalance or or if they just feel a little bit off, like, where do, where do men go to get help for hormones?
0: Well, it would be the same avenue as the women, actually. I mean, you'd want to go, if you suspect something, go to, you know, your trusted family doctor or natural natural healthcare practitioner to see what's going on. And they'll probably experience a lot of the same things that women do, from weight gain, digestive issues, mood problems, um infertility, all of that kind of stuff as well. And the same principles apply. So protein, fat, and fiber with every meal, trying to reduce your stress and keep an active lifestyle. It's, it's all the same. It, there's just not as much information out there for men. But if they follow uh, the similar lifestyle changes, they'll notice a difference for sure.
1: Oh, and, and I think this podcast is a really good catalyst for compassion. But any advice for men for having more compassion for their female partners?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know it's difficult to understand as a man because you've never experienced it before and probably have never experienced a situation where you did not feel in control of your thoughts or your actions um, or how you were feeling. So just really feeling... compassionate, helping, you know, if you have a wife, if that's what you're concerned about, you know, asking her, is there something I can do to help you feel better? What can I do? And if she is snappy or irritable with you, you know, bringing that up to her in a, um, in a real sensitive way to say, you know, I know you're feeling upset. Is there something I can do that will help to, you know, make your mood happier to make you feel more positive, anything like that. It really, she just wants, you know, somebody to support her and and understand her and understand that she might not want to say things she's saying in the way that she's saying them.
1: Yeah, and this too shall pass. That's my advice to men. (laughs) Everything is impermanent, even PMS. (laughs) And hot flashes. I should also say hot flashes. (laughs) And here's my tip for hot flashes. I actually went on a 10-day meditation retreat over the summer, and I found that meditation was, for the most part, Afterwards, they were greatly reduced. So I highly recommend uh, meditation.
0: That's a great tip, absolutely.
1: Tell us where we can find more information about you. If somebody wants to work with the Hormone Diva, you can certainly work with them. Give us all your information.
0: I'd like to send everybody just to one place is a real good starter to get to know me, learn about the hormone diva and what I'm all about, as well as to get information um, and some tips that might be able to help you with what you're dealing with. And that is just to go to www.thehormonediva.com forward slash quiz. And you can get my happy hormones quiz there, which will tell you what your imbalances are and provide you with some next steps to help you treat the root cause.
1: Oh, I love Love the happy hormones. May all your hormones be happy. Thank you so much, Robin. This has been so informative, and I hope it, it helps people out there who might be dealing with the challenges of balance. So thank you so much. Thanks. I had a great time. Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.